Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 11, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Same Old New, All Over Again. Yogi Berra played most of his Major League Baseball career for the New York Yankees, and some regard him as the greatest catcher of all times, though he is perhaps better known now more for his quirky speech than his play behind the plate. Berra had a way of speaking the truth that was honest, but also paradoxical in its logic-twisting kind of way. Baseball, he said, is 90% mental, and the other half is physical. Well, of course, he's right about baseball, even if the math doesn't add up. He said, in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. Now, that's deep truth, though you might have to go home and think about that. In theory, there's no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. Vera wasn't just speaking about money when he said, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. (laughs) With advice that actually sounds to me more theological than topographical, Vera said, you got to be careful if you don't know where you're going, because you might not get there. (laughs) And one of his most famous quips speaks of that peculiar experience of doing something that you've never done before, but feeling like you've already been there. You know, it's like deja vu all over again he said (laughs) as I read these opening verses from the gospel of Mark words about beginnings I had a sense of deja vu all over again Mark starts at the beginning if I were in good voice this morning I might sing for you from the sound of music let's start at the very beginning a very good place to start When you count, you begin with one, two, three. When you sing, you begin with? Yeah, you got it. Do, re, mi. Thank you. Mark starts at the beginning. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark presents us with a gospel, in his gospel, with a very human Jesus. And some Christian critics suggest that Mark gives us a human Jesus who is progressively deified. Uh, the, the, The divinity of Jesus has progressed through the other Gospels as Christian uh, theology develops until finally you come to the Gospel of John which presents a Jesus who is pre-existent with God. From the very beginning, John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a very different Jesus than you get in the Gospel of Mark. But the first words of Mark's Gospel identify Jesus as the Son of God. So let's be careful how we try to distinguish Mark's Jesus from the divine Jesus of the other Gospels. This being said, we should note that that phrase, Son of God, seems to have been added by a later scribe. The oldest text we have do not contain the phrase Son of God. 
As our Gospels were copied and distributed manually, scribes often made slight changes. Whether they believed they were correcting previous errors of other scribes or were adding their own theological corrections, we can't know for sure. We do know that many such corrections, in quotes, corrections have been identified in ancient biblical texts. Bart Ehrman notes that in the margins of one text, one scribe who saw that his predecessor had corrected the text scribbled in that margin, fool and knave, stop trying to fix the text. To the point of today's sermon, though, what about that beginning? In the beginning, the, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the beginning a scholar named Mark Davis says our translation is inappropriate. There is no definite article in the Greek for the noun. RK to Evangelu is not the beginning of the gospel. It is a beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Similar commentary has been offered for the first words of our Old Testament usually translated in the beginning God created but the Hebrew text also lacks the definite sense scholars have speculated that that text might be better translated in a beginning or while beginning God created but not in the beginning so as we begin today we need to ask what beginning when is the beginning? Whose beginning? What's important about a beginning? I'm sorry to tell you, but I've been reading physics again. And you know that's always a dangerous thing for your pastor. I have been invited to give the Baptist perspective in the upcoming comparative religion series at Temple Bethel. And this year's topic engages the intersection of science and religion. Uh, apparently, the beginning has puzzled human beings from, well, from the beginning. The Big Bang Theory, which traces its academic roots to the thinking of a priest named George Lemaitre in 1927, postulates that our universe began when a particle the size of one atom and of infinite density and mass suddenly exploded, creating everything there is, including you and me and space and creating time itself. But was the Big Bang really the beginning? The religious community welcomed the theory of the Big Bang because before this discovery, the universe had been considered infinite in size and without a beginning. And religionists approved of a scientific explanation which better coincided with the biblical picture in the beginning God created. In his book, Modern Physics and Ancient Faith, a physicist named Stephen Barr explains, though, that there are many theories now about the beginning. Maybe that so-called singularity which gave rise to our universe wasn't so singular after all. 
Maybe the life of this universe is just one in an infinite progression of universes that bounce. It's kind of like the scientific theory of reincarnation. When the universe dies, it's born again and born again and born again. Or maybe our universe is just one small bubble pinched off from a larger universe which will in turn spawn its own baby universes. In the beginning, what is a beginning? As we look at Mark's beginnings, two things seem clear to me. The first is that there are definite actions that mark beginnings. John the Baptist comes in the wilderness announcing the coming of one who will shake the foundations of the world. Get ready, he says in his fiery, unique way. The time is here. We need to listen to prophets. We need to listen to ancient prophets and to those who speak today because there are people who see things that most of us just can't see. These prophets are always announcing beginnings. And then Jesus comes and is baptized, which is a great way to begin. There is nothing magical about baptismal water, and we are part of a strange Baptist community that says baptism isn't even absolutely required. God loves you whether you are immersed or affused, had water poured on your head, or sprinkled, or whether you come to us drip dry as a Quaker. But human beings do need some outward signs that match the inward graces we feel. And we believe that the full-bodied expression of immersion, which symbolizes being cleansed from head to toe, and also symbolizes being buried in the likeness of his death and being raised to walk in the newness of life. We believe immersion is a beautiful, tangible expression that can be a deeply meaningful place for you to begin. And what does temptation have to do with beginnings? Well, have you ever started something new only to find yourself immediately questioning that decision, hmm, maybe this wasn't the right job after all. Hmm, maybe she's not the right woman. Maybe I do need to go back and apologize. Beginnings launch us into new terrain, so we often find ourselves disconnected, dislocated, and the discomfort of that new land often prompts questions, hesitations, doubts. It's only natural. When Jesus made this commitment, accepted his baptism as the beginning of a new life, a new and exciting and dangerous ministry that he knew, he knew might even take him to Jerusalem, maybe there was a hesitation, a moment of questioning or weakness. The gospel theological affirmation is that God initiates those moments, though, and God uses them for good. Mark says the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Now, another thing about beginnings is that they are never just new for us. 
Isaac Newton said, for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Nothing happens in a vacuum. A new beginning for me changes those around me. So the passion that Jesus felt for his new beginning spilled over into the lives of friends and acquaintances and total strangers. Many who left their families, their homes, their jobs because they sensed in his beginning an opportunity for a new beginning of their own. But was this beginning, was this beginning really new? It's easy for Christians to say, with Jesus, everything was new. God started something brand new with Jesus. Is that right? Look quickly at Jesus' preaching message. The time is fulfilled. Jesus saw an end of time, which at least theologically, if not cosmologically, is always a beginning too. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus believed it was here, then, and there, which means it's here now. Or at least it's near now, which means we may have to move just a little bit to find it. Join in that journey of faith to be a part of the kingdom, which is here. And then like all good preachers, Jesus goes to meddling just a little bit. Repent, he said. Hmm. The Greek word is metanoia. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your direction. Any beginning that doesn't actually change you, literally change you, has not been marked by repentance, is not conversion. So it's probably not a new beginning. And then Jesus says, believe in the good news. And here's the heart of it. What was the gospel according to Jesus? You have undoubtedly heard preachers pound the pulpit and announce that the good news is that you are a sinner. Well, which doesn't actually sound much like good news, does it? But that Jesus died for you. The gospel, which literally means good news, has come to be synonymous for many people with atonement theology, a very particular kind of atonement theology, but that's too narrow an understanding of good news. Jesus said it more simply than that, more broadly than that. The gospel is that the kingdom of God, the reality of God, the presence of God is with us. Period. That's the good news. God is with us. This announcement, marked by Jesus' powerful teaching and healing, by his sacrificial commitment, was a new beginning because there's really no other kind of beginning, is there? It was real. It was good. It marked a beginning in time and place. And when we sign on like the disciples did, to take up our cross and follow, to learn to live lavishly and sacrificially and simply, well, it's a new beginning for us too. But the question still remains, is this new? Is this really a beginning 
In her commentary on this text, a preaching professor named Caroline Lewis says definitively, no. What was new in Jesus was really not a beginning, a new singularity maybe, a baby universe pinched off from an older one perhaps, a bounce in the fabric of infinite time maybe, but the new thing we call Jesus was really the same old new that God has been doing since, well, since the beginning and before. Same old new all over again. If I can return to the infinitely wise Yankee catcher once again, I will remind you that the future ain't what it used to be. But that should not surprise you because neither is the beginning. The kingdom of God is near. That's the good news and the beginning of every beginning. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.